Welcome to the Grove Community Church Sermon Podcast. We're a faith community seeking to change lives, change our community, and change the world. And now to this week's message. We hope you enjoy it. Four thousand. Oh, okay. 
Alright, so anyway, I don't remember Lauren, like I said, she's the witch. So we will double it, right? We'll double it up to this amount. But if you want a seven thousand dollar car, you gotta bring four thousand dollars to the table. You see how that works? And he was all about that. And he did it. We could have gone in debt and gotten him a car. But we didn't because we didn't want to cripple him. Now why am I telling you all of this? Because I think all too often we want to, as parents or as adults, take the easy way out, the easy road. Because it's just easier for us. But I also think that on the receiving part of that, all too often, we just want God to answer our prayers and do what we want Him to do. Father, why can't I have this? That's kind of what we act like sometimes. And we come to God with our prayers and we're like, I want this and why won't you give it to me? That's my wine over there. Is that a, is that a, okay. <laughs> yeah, I hope so too. That kind of hurt. But that's how we treat God. But God looks at us like a good parent. Not as a vending machine. So today we're going to look at a passage as we continue to study the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit does for us. And we're going to look at it from this perspective of getting what we need, not necessarily what we want. Because we have a good Father who cares more about us long term than the short term. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to continue in Luke. And we're going to look at a teaching from Jesus on prayer in Luke 11. Now this is one of the most famous parts of the Bible. You've heard it. You've said it. And you might not even know that you've heard it or said it. Luke 11 is where Jesus teaches the Lord's Prayer to his disciples. Now when Jesus was praying in a certain place one day, he starts praying and, and he says, this is how I'm going to teach you to pray. When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us of our sins. For we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. That's Luke's recording of the Our Father. But then Jesus goes on, and we're not going to look at that. We've looked at that in the past, but we're going to look at the second section, verses 5 through 13. Because Jesus continues to teach about prayer, but he gets in the weeds a little bit, and we're going to pick our way through the weeds. Then he said to them, verse 5, Which of you, and this is parabolic, so Jesus is going into a parable form here, so he goes from teaching the Our Father to, I'm going to tell you a parable about prayer. This is what he said. Which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. Now let me stop and explain a little bit of background here because this doesn't sound like a very likely scenario in our culture. This kind of is weird. We don't really understand what their culture was like. First thing you need to know is that their culture was a culture of village life. This is a parable that the people who heard it would have immediately thought of their village. Village meaning small amount of people, houses not far apart, everybody took care of everybody else. Okay? So this is not just a 
You go into your neighbor that you may be talked to twice a year right now and knocking on their door at midnight. That's not what this is. Their culture was way far different than our culture, right? So in, in their culture, it was nothing for you to not only know your neighbor in depth, but probably in some way be related to them by marriage or by something or, you know, whatever. And if not, you were super close to them. They were your extended family, more or less. It was a village. The whole village was connected. It wasn't a bunch of separate families that pulled into their garage, closed the door, and you only waved at them when you drove by or over the fence. It's not what this was about. So understand that this is a culture of community. Also understand that if someone shows up in the middle of the night and knocks on one door, a lot of the village would hear it. Second thing we need to know about this is that it uses the term the word friend here uses it four times, actually. Jesus does in this parable over and over and over again. Friendship was among one of the most important values in their culture. Friendship was, was one of the highest value things that you could have. It wasn't stuff. It wasn't financial stuff. It wasn't anything like power. Power, finances, stuff didn't, that rank way down here for them. The most important thing was friendship and relationship. So Jesus is setting up this parable and he's got an unlikely second part to the parable that we're going to get to in a second. But what Jesus is setting up here is, is a common occurrence that would have happened in their culture and everybody in the village would have been connected in deep relationship and if one person gets this this visitors showing up in the middle of the night, everybody in the village would have known and would have been willing to help. Now, what does the village, what does the person ask for? He asked for how many loaves? Three loaves. Now, people, there have been people like, oh, that means the Holy Spirit. No, it doesn't. It means three loaves. Three loaves was how much you ate at a meal. Okay? This is not, this is not some weird cryptic story. Three loaves is what you would ask for if you were going to serve a regular-sized family. Three loaves of bread. That was a normal meal. Had nothing to do with some, ooh, three. Although three is the magic number. Three is the magic number. How many of you know what I'm talking about? All right. A handful of you. So he shows up. His friend shows up, knocks on the door. I need three loaves because I've got to feed this family. Now, this is where this story gets a little... Um, a little, a little silly. And Jesus is doing this on, on purpose. He's, he's using a form of, I guess, hyperbole. Verse 7. Which one of you then will answer this friend who comes knocking from within? Do not bother me. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. Absolutely no one would answer that way. Absolutely no one would answer that way. Ever. So Jesus is setting up this story in a way that it's just not real. He's saying, which one of you would do that? And the obvious answer is, well, no one would do that. No one would sit in bed and say, ah, forget you, neighbor. <laughs> My kids are in here with me and I'm not getting up and going to the door. They would have answered no questions asked. It would have been immediate. So Jesus is saying, no one would do this, would you? And all of the, all the people hearing this would have been like, yeah, no, that would never happen. 
If my neighbor knocks, I don't care what's going on in my house. I'm stopping and I'm going. That's how deep relationship and friendship was. Verse 8, I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence or persistence in some translations, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. So Jesus is saying, even if you're stupid enough to say, I won't get up in this first scenario, eventually you will because of shame. Because of knocking on the door, why aren't you helping me? Please get up. A whole village would have known. It's a shame culture. They would have done that. So, so Jesus is saying, even if you're a selfish jerk and you won't get up for your neighbor, even if the whole village hates you, at some point you are going to get up and answer because of their persistence or because you don't want to be shamed by everybody else even more than you already are. In essence, there is absolutely no one, is what Jesus is saying, who won't answer their neighbor for the need of three loaves. There is no one who wouldn't answer that. Absolutely no one. Now, there are people that would in our culture who wouldn't answer, right? There are jerks who wouldn't care and wouldn't give three loaves of bread. They wouldn't give you any. They wouldn't give you three pennies. I get that, but not in their culture, particularly village culture. So Jesus sets up this parable and says, look, guys, even you idiots are going to answer the door every time. He didn't really call them idiots, but he's saying even you, even you village people, even you who are just simpletons. And again, he's not talking down on them. He's just bringing it to their level. He's saying even you common everyday man didn't mean it in a derogatory way. He wasn't being negative about these people. He's saying even you who aren't sophisticated, would do that. So he's making an argument from the lesser to the greater. So if you, then how much more? Verse 9. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. To the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks it will be opened. So if you, as a simple human, will answer the knock of a neighbor, how much more will the God of the universe answer your knock? How much more? There's a line in the liturgy for a funeral that is powerful. It says, God, you are ever more ready to hear and answer than we are to pray. That's a powerful line. God is more ready to hear and to answer than we are to pray. See, the problem of the prayer equation isn't God, it's us, right? It's our side of the equation that's off. God is ever ready to hear and he's ever ready to answer. But do we really pray? Everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, it will be opened. And everyone means everyone. Not just people who show up on a Sunday morning. 
for her to do a devotion every day. Everybody. That's Jesus' teaching here. It's not just for the good people. God hears. He knows. And he answers. Everybody. But how does he answer? Jesus then goes on and uses another form of parable. And he says, another example. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? How many of you would give your child a, a water moccasin if they asked for a snapper? I don't think anybody would. Or, if your child asks for an egg, will you give them a scorpion? And that's just a bad joke. That can end in a horrible way. No one would do that. If then you, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more, lesser to greater, how much more will the Heavenly Father give what? What's it say? The Holy Spirit to those who ask Him. begins to align our will with God's will. 
Does that make sense? And so if we ask for something that, that isn't what we really need, what God does through his Holy Spirit is begin to mold our will into his will to where we begin to ask the right things. Is that, y'all follow that? So prayer is the channel through which the Holy Spirit flows, and then it's the, the avenue by which God aligns our spirit with his spirit in a straight line. And then the last thing it is, as we've seen previous from Luke, is that prayer through the Holy Spirit coming in brings the power of God to change you, to change your circumstances, and to change others. It's, it's the power of God that comes through the Holy Spirit. Remember, we talked about this last week. And, and what does Jesus tell his disciples? In Acts, that you will receive what? Power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. So prayer then is this opening up the door. It's the channel through which the Holy Spirit flows. Prayer then is the avenue through which our will and God's will come in alignment and travel in the same direction in the same lane down the same path. Prayer then is the power cord that plugs us in to the Holy Spirit and the power of God at work in our world, in our life. And what God wants most for you is the presence of the Spirit, the guidance of the Spirit, and the power of the Spirit. So we might be asking for whatever But what God wants to answer with is the Spirit. It's neat when your kids get to be the age of our kids and you begin to have adult conversations. <laughs> you will get there at some point, I promise. Some of you are like, does that really happen? Yes. Because you're kids and you know what your relationship is with your parents, right? It becomes different. And in multiple times over the last couple of years, as Bennett has graduated and moved on and now is in his career and now is married and oh my gosh. What in the world? Jeez, I'm old. We have this conversation, or we've had this conversation multiple times now. Well, he'll come back and he'll say, you know, uh, I'm able to do what I'm doing because of what y'all did for me. He is in corporate banking. He is helping He's helping firms of, of 50 million and above plan out stuff. I don't even know what. I don't understand what he does. 
I have no clue what my child does, but I know it's like, I'm like, wait, what? Yeah, I just worked on a multi-billion dollar deal with the company. With, um, I'm just doing one part of it. I'm like, I don't even, there's that many zeros in the world? I don't even know. But what he will tell you is that he wouldn't be where he is now. As a, as a 16 year old, we didn't sit down, sit down and work out a budget with him. If when he went off to college, we didn't make him come up with a plan for creating wealth for himself, he wouldn't understand what he understands now. The 15 year old Bennett didn't get it. And I didn't know where he would end up. But I knew giving him everything he wanted wasn't the answer. There was something better in the long run. And that's how God listens to you. He hears your prayers. But what he really wants to do is enable you to be the best you. To be the best version of you. And how you do that? Through the coming in of the Holy Spirit. Through the Holy Spirit aligning your will with God's will. And through the power of the Spirit at work in and through you. Because He's a good Father. And He wants to give you what you need, not just what you want. We hope you found this week's message meaningful and impactful. And as always, don't just hear it. Put it into practice. Until next time, have a good week.